Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the Uncapped Podcast. I'm your host Chris Sands. This week in studio we have James Steinhardt from Steinhardt Brewing. Welcome. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's actually a nice, beautiful day. It'd probably be much better to be out there brewing instead of sitting in here with me. Oh, it's, it's still good to be with you. <laughs> um, so first, I uh, guess we don't need to talk to you about where the name came from. That's pretty evident. My dad. Yeah. And, uh, but so how did, um, you're located in Braddock Heights. Yes. Um, and what classification is your brewery? It's a class five. Okay. I, someone had told me they thought it was like a special, special designation, but no. I guess that, that person was wrong. No, the state has, you know, various categories and you have to fall within one of them. Okay. Um, but your, your brewery is actually in, it's in your garage though. Literally. Right? Yes. In my garage. It, so that, it's very interesting in that like, I, were there a lot of hurdles and was it a lot harder to do it that way or? Um, yeah, I think so. It was a challenge. I mean, it was part of my business plan though, where I didn't want to, uh, invest millions of dollars without even knowing whether anybody was going to like my product. So I, uh, thought I would start out in my home. It's actually an interesting story because, um, you have to go through three steps. You have to get a permit from the county, then you have to get a federal license, and then you get a state license. And uh, so I got a permit from the county, and then I went and got the federal license, and then when I was going to get the state license, um, at the last minute, the, the gentleman from the state said, oh, I think you're good to go. We'll be you know, having a license within a week or so. And then he said, oh, no, uh, a couple days later, we're gonna have to pull your permit. Um, we're, you know, the county's pulling your permit, and you're not going to be able to get your license because you're in a residential area. So it was a little unsettling, and I had to go through this whole logic and actually got my uh, county councilman to help me out. And um, the code doesn't allow for a brewery anywhere in the county, actually. It has farm breweries, but it doesn't have a brewery. And if it's not explicitly permitted, then it's implicitly denied. And so by that logic... You know, I wasn't allowed, but there was nobody else was allowed either. So I pointed that out, and they said, okay, well, you know, we'll let you proceed on a limited basis. And that's understandable. I'm in a residential area. So they then gave me the permit, and then I was able to move forward. But uh, it, was, it was a little bit of a challenge at first, getting, you know, all the rules and regs lined up. So, um, and you've been operating for two years of, now? Yeah, I've had a license for over two years. When did you start producing beer? Uh, you know, officially for sale. Yeah, for yeah. sale. Uh, like two years ago. Okay, so I I assume you started as a home brewer. Oh then. yeah, been brewing for years as a home brewer. Uh, so. so what what were you doing before? Are you are, are you operating the brewery full time? No, I, it's I still have another job. So I'm just doing this basically, you know, nights and weekends, and um, you know, at some point I plan to make this my full time job though. Cool. So. What do you do? I'm, I was an engineer. Okay, yeah. that's a. I I like to ask that because there there seems to be either people or their background is in science, some sort of biology, chemistry, or we've had quite a few right. from that background, or some sort of technology, engineering, or information technology. It seems to be the a large number of people who start breweries or become brewers start with those backgrounds. I think it's helpful because there is an awful lot of science involved. And uh, whether it's in setting the equipment up or operating the equipment, as well as, you know, obviously there's the biology of brewing beer. So it takes quite a diverse background to be able to, to get this thing all up and running. And probably the constant uh, 
troubleshooting when there's a problem with the equipment and yes. or with the beer itself. Yes. And uh, actually, as part of my business plan as well is by starting small, uh, I've run into a lot of problems. I'm not saying I've uh, uncovered every fault I'm going to run into, but I'd rather have those on a smaller scale and learn and then apply those lessons learned as I expand. So how, how large is your brew house? Uh, three barrel. Okay. It's, I mean, it's still, it's a decent size, yeah. the normal microbrewery or nanobrewery yeah. size. Nano, system. I would call it. Yeah. So you must have a pretty large garage. <laughs> uh, actually, it is a pretty yeah. large garage. Uh, I'm not using the entire garage because, uh, again, the county code wouldn't allow me to do that. But still, um, it, it's working. So do you have to have, like, a strip? Because I know, like, at least um, for Fry's Brewing, for the farm brewery designation, like, he has certain areas of the farm that have to be completely designated as the brewery. And yes. So is that the what like... I had to build a wall, literally, okay. between the part that's the brewery and the part that's still considered, you know, part of the residence. Okay. Um, and you... I, I assume you don't have a tasting room or anything like that. Not a tasting room per se. And again, being in a residential area, I'm not doing retail sales, but people can come for a tour of the brewery. Okay. And after that, uh, you know, we can have, or during that, we can do free samples while I'm explaining, you know, how the uh, brewery works. And I can sell bottles or do growler fills as well. Oh, great. And I think state law limits uh, 288 ounces, I believe, is the limit, which is essentially a case of beer. Okay. For off-premise sale to yeah, take off-premise. Correct. I, can't, I cannot serve people like pints of beer and, and just sit and relax. Although I can serve 18 ounces. That's, again, you know, the, the state law that you can have 18 ounces of samples. Hey, so how did you get into brewing? What, what attracted you to that? Um, well, like a lot of people, I like to drink beer. But uh, my son actually started as well some time back. And um, yeah, it was just a fun hobby for us to get into. And, uh, you know, we liked making and experimenting with beers. And over time, you know, a lot of people were drinking and, and said, hey, you're making pretty good beer. Maybe you ought to, you know, think about doing this as a profession. So that's what I did the last couple of years, started. And I saw um, on uh, your website you have listed that uh, Braddock Inn is your unofficial tasting room. So right. Is that a safe place to always go to? Yes. Uh, they, they always have some of your beer on they, tap? They always have four of our beers on tap, and they also have bottles of beer. They have our sours uh, in bottle. <coughs> now, are you doing um, aged sours? or yes. kettle? Oh, so you're doing in, what uh, the... French oak barrels. Like, so the... Um, the sour snobs will be okay with your sours. Yeah, then. as opposed to, yeah, <laughs> ke ke kettle souring, I, I imagine, is a little more sort of one-dimensional. And this has, um, besides the initial Saccharomyces yeast, I'm then using Brettomyces and Lactobacillus. So it's it's sort of naturally souring it. Now, you do, though, a wide range. It's like you're not specializing in sours. You're d you do a whole, the whole gamut of right. beer types. right. right? I mean, I, I you would probably say I'm leaning towards Belgian because I do have a number of Belgian-style beers, a Belgian Double, Belgian Dark Strong, Belgian Golden Strong, and a Cezanne, as well as all the, the sours, Flanders Red, or, you know, Flanders is part yeah. of Belgium. But I also make uh, several IPAs and uh, stouts. So it's it's a sort of range of beers. So is, is Belgian beers your personal favorites, or is that just your favorite to make? Actually, it is my favorite i think the the belgian double is probably my favorite is um 
is is that just the like before you even started brewing one of your favorite styles yeah. or is that as you brewed yeah. it became... it's it's just a style that i like i think and has a, a really good taste uh and you know different everybody's different so some people like sours a lot of people just you know hate them really so it's a matter of preference some people love ipas and other people just can't they're too bitter right yeah so so are you doing fruited sours yes or what 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 do you have available right now so i have um, fram come try some okay <laughs> a frambois which is a raspberry and krieg cherry and then there's an apricot sour obviously with apricots okay and um are those all just bottled or are those that the, can um, you get those at the inn now also? Well, at at the Braddock Inn, it, they only have it in bottles. He okay. only has four taps and none of the, he Initially, he had some of the sours on tap, but, you know, I try to keep uh, the lines clean. And, and you know, that's, Brettomyces is essentially a, an infection in other kinds of beers. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he, he decided to switch and just have the bottles of the sour. And then all the things that are on tap are, you know, traditional Saccharomyces-based do you find it a struggle to what do you have a separate um part of like a contained area in your brewery where you do your sours essentially or? it's it, you definitely have to be very careful and you know I generally work on one or the other style of beer at a time to maintain that separation and and actually have some of the equipment is separate for that purpose so that I'm not contaminating like kegging equipment for example I just have separate equipment for anything that's going to touch Brettomyces. Okay. Um, and are you, the you're bottling, are you doing that by yourself on yep. premise too? Like, yes. So you just have a, in your garage, a full, I, I wish I would have came out and seen it beforehand. We had talked about coming, we wanted to try to come get pictures and a video so people could see what it looked like, but it's been crazy busy around here lately okay. and we just weren't able to make it. Oh, you're I, welcome I, to come Visually, on I can't picture what, what it would look like but it sounds quite impressive thanks give me a call uh, and come on out all right um so d you're are you doing just bomber size or are you doing 12 ounce right now bottles? just doing the bombers okay and it looked like you're you're in quite a few liquor stores to be able to purchase yeah I'm, i need to update the website actually so there's a number of bars and liquor stores and uh you know ex expanding all the time getting into new places especially now that i just recently started putting into bottles and that opens up a whole lot of uh, other opportunities because there's only so many places that really focus on craft beer. Yeah. You know, there's plenty of bars and, you know, but a lot of them are selling, you know, traditional macro beer and, you know, to them, Blue Moon is, is a craft beer, which yeah. is, which is fine, but you know, they're not really focused on say Maryland or, or other local beer. And there's really not that many places. I mean, if you think locally, you've had, um, if it wasn't, re if not currently, recently you had some beer on tap at Roast House Pub, yes. right? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I, I remember seeing it on in the Digital Pour app. Right. For, I mean, it, that's a perfect example of a place that's really focusing on craft beer, and but again, there's only so many of those yeah. places. But it's great that we we do have in Frederick a few of them, so it gives right. you a nice outlet to get your. Right. So your plans are at some point to move into a separate location and yes. build out a full brewery yes absolutely how, how far away do you think um, you are for is that like long-term goals or be, is that a, you know six months or a year i mean i got to find the right place and oh, so it is a 
It's a yeah, fairly short term. Hopefully sooner than later, yes. Um, you know, part of it is finding the right location and, and to meet, you know, the requirements, even though they're not explicitly spelled out, um, you know, as to where I can operate with, because it's considered light manufacturing. So yeah. I understand they don't really want to have that in a residential area. And again, they let me do it on a limited basis. And, and I totally understand that. I don't want to have a giant factory in a residential area. Yeah. Do you want to stay in Braddock Heights or are you looking to move? Um, not necessarily. I mean, it'd be nice to be right on Market Street in Frederick, but again, yeah. the real estate's expensive. So, you know, it's a trade-off. I have to find the right location. Yeah. Well, that's great. Good luck. That'll probably, I mean, I think you've done amazing without having a place that people can just easily come to and from. So right. I think if you have a tap room, that'll really help you take off. Right. Because I, I know I've... A couple of people I talked to that said you were coming on, they all said, and I actually I tried some of your beer at that Frederick. Um, the, the event in uh, Carroll Creek, yeah, the Frederick uh, Craft Beer no, Festival. No, it, it was the mixer at the old oh, F&P yes. building. Yes. I tried, yes. um, I think you only had some of your Belgian beers then, which aren't my favorite style, but they were de they were very good examples of, although I think even one of them I, like, I genuinely liked, not just that I could tell it was a, a well-made beer. I brought um, some bottles of sour to that event as well. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you had opened it yet okay. at that point. Um, and also, I'd, uh, really getting into sours is a recent thing for me, so I may not have even wanted to try one at that point. I still had that. It's an acquired taste. I irrational think. thought that I wouldn't like them because mm -hmm. I it was like a few years ago. I had a, a Flanders and like. It was, uh, it's the one that's the Duchess, some, the one that's supposed to be like one of the most best examples of right. it. And I think it's disgusting. I mean, maybe I would like it better now because my palate has changed since then. But when it was given to me and told me how well regarded it was, I did not agree with their assessment. Yeah. The, the Bretomyces, <laughs> depending on how much of that comes through, can be pretty powerful. Uh, some people describe it as wet horse blanket, which doesn't sound very appealing. No. <laughs> Well, I need, you know, a lot of hops are compared to cat urine, so, and, and those somehow we find to be delicious. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it will attribute good taste to uh, disgusting-sounding uh, analogies. So yesterday you were part of the Meridian Pint uh, New Maryland Breweries and Brew Pub right. event. Did, you, did they contact you to just become a – because that seems kind of a – Big deal. You're in yeah. very good company. We've yeah. a few of our, a uh, few of the people we've had on previously were there, and um, yeah, I, I got an email from uh, Ben Little, who's over at the White Rabbit, uh, yeah, Gastro Pub, and he suggested uh, you know myself and a number of other local brewers in this event where they're going to showcase you know up and coming breweries, and uh, it was it was really great to to have that opportunity and exposure, and uh, people seem to enjoy the beer there as well. So you know. It's great, and it also gives me a chance to expand beyond Maryland because until then, I really hadn't been outside of Maryland. Um, you know, each jurisdiction is different, uh, so I would have to get either a distributor's license in, in a different state or go through, you know, a distributor. Um, D.C. is a little different, and I guess each bar or liquor store is considered sort of a self-distributor, so uh, it made it a little easier for me to get into there. 
So will you be in other places in DC too, or for now just that Meridian Pint? That was that was like the first foray. I'm certainly interested in expanding. Um, so I'll have to look at other other places. But that, again, it was just sort of an opportunistic thing, and it was a great opportunity to sort of showcase and. A lot of stuff for me has been sort of word of mouth. You know, I go to one place and then three people, you know, say, hey, how would you like to come into our place? And and then, you know, that sort of mushrooms into other opportunities. So I really haven't been actively marketing per se. It's just been sort of word of mouth. Right. So how much um, how much beer are you producing a year? It's um, like 150 barrels. You're busy. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> are, are you self-distributing yeah. then throughout Maryland? Yes. So. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. I'm probably about half the counties. I mean, I have it on my website, all the different places I'm in, but it's, you know, well, yeah, Harford, you know, Anne Arundel, obviously some of our neighboring counties like, uh, you know, Montgomery and Washington and Carroll. So. How did you find time to come in to talk to me? <laughs> <laughs> I do, You definitely, you're in a lot of places, you're brewing a lot of beer and. Working full time, you must yeah. be exhausted. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that, yes. <laughs> There's definitely, obviously, a labor of love for you. Yeah, yeah, I definitely like it, and again, people seem to enjoy it. So that's that's the nice thing. It's really great when you get feedback like that from people. You know, we were at some events. We were at one at the Milk House Brewery here, and there was just lines of people the whole time. So, that's great. Yeah. Will great. you will you be at the uh, Baltimore? Yep. Ba- Baltimore sound like a yep. true Baltimore. <laughs> Baltimorean um, festival in what's October 7th. Yes. Great. So that that'll be a great place for people to also come check you out. Yeah. And there's an event uh, the week before in Westminster. It's a Maryland microbrewery festival. And then there's an event uh, the week after in Mount Airy. Beers, beards, and brats. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Amethysts. Uh, yes annual festival i'm gonna try to go to that one i'll probably be at the baltimore one too i enjoyed that i didn't go last year um i think the previous year was the first year for it but it's a really nice one right there and the along the water and it's a nice little festival i guess they like to have it along water they have along the creek and in uh frederick and then along the i guess that a bay the bay in baltimore yeah um, and I also started uh, just last week in uh, the farm market down at uh, the fairgrounds. So, are there, are there any? Is there anyone else there um, too? I, not, it, that seems to be a much like a grow and growing in popularity. I know a couple of distilleries yes. are going to places through. I don't know if they're at the Frederick one, but I know like Tenth Ward. I see sometimes is that one in Silver Spring, but. Um, there was a, a winery there last week. I think they typically have, you know, a, at least one winery and, and a brewery and, and a distillery there. They're not necessarily all there every week. I won't necessarily be there every week yeah. either, but, uh, I'll be there this Saturday. So are you, ab- are you only able to sell for like to take home and drink or can yeah, you I can s- do samples, but, uh, you can't like serve pints. pour a pint. <laughs> right. That's a, it's cool that that's a lot. Is that a new law they expanded um how much of a sample and how much of a sale you can do um i think in the past actually it was 18 ounces but it was three ounces of each of six different kind of beer now it can be 18 ounces in any however any combination and then the sales increased i think it used to be 128 and now it's like 288 which is uh, a case was that always allowed at farmers markets or is that uh, they allowed that, it, but again, with a lower okay. limit of, uh, 
like whatever the number was. I think it was on at 28 ounces or something. Yeah, because it just seems like that's a new, newer development with people going and selling alcohol. I guess just as farmer markets become more and more popular, it takes place more and more. Um, do you have any other events or anything um, else exciting coming up for you? Uh, well, I've got my niece's wedding, and so we'll be bringing I, some beer to that. Are you bringing a special beer for her? Uh, no, it's one. They like the Belgian double okay. as well, so I'll definitely bring some of that. When uh, one of my f- good friends got married, it was back when I still home brewed. I beer, I brewed a special beer for his wedding. So, but now I'm just. It, it's so much easier just to give people like you money to <laughs> that have made the beer for for me already. <laughs> Well, and, and it, I would like to have attended several other events, but it turns out that there were like several all on the same day. So it's just not feasible. I can't be in two places at the same time. So is it just you or do you have anyone helping you out? Uh, yeah, I've got, well, my wife is actually co-owner and okay. she handles all the finances. And then my children help me out and other people have offered to help. And so I might take them up because I can certainly use help, especially, you know, as servers or things like that. Yeah. Take up volunteers. Yeah. <laughs> All right, great. Well, um, do you have any special beer releases coming up that you want to tell us about? Any, uh, anything planned? Absolutely. So um, very soon here, I should be getting some fresh wet hops, and uh, I typically make a harvest IPA. And so uh, I should be getting those in about a week or two, and then several weeks later, we'll have some harvest IPA ready. And then I'll also be brewing um, my Imperial Tupelo Stout and putting some of that in uh, bourbon barrels. Oh, nice. And uh, that was really tasty. So I'll hopefully have some of that ready in uh, in the winter. Are you getting your hops from one of the local farms? Not yet. Um, I, there's been a couple of events where they uh, promote that, and some I'm certainly interested in, in buying some local hops if I can find some that line up with my needs. So We're... Um were you involved with the legislation at all this year, or is it? I did. Get, doesn't quite affect you enough yet that you didn't dive I, into it. I did go down to Annapolis. You know, Kevin Addicts from the Brewers Association. Yeah. You know, asked as many brewers as, as possible to come and and support. So I did go down there. Unfortunately, didn't get a chance to talk to our uh, our state senator. He was busy, but um, you know, I definitely want to support you know, the brewing industry in the state. And you're right that it probably doesn't affect me as much. Things like the 2,000 barrel or 3,000 barrel limit in a tasting room clearly doesn't apply to me yet. Um, But I still would like to be supportive of, you know, brewers in Maryland. And maybe someday that will be uh, appropriate and applicable for me. Have you been following the Reform on Tap meetings? I've been trying to keep up with it. In fact, there was a... Not, not necessarily a reform on tap, but locally here in Frederick, a couple of weeks back, they had a, a hearing from uh, you know various uh, members of the alcohol-producing yeah, the, community. the task force, the yeah. alcohol f- forum, or I can't remember what the exact it was, name was. Uh, I remember it was on a Monday yes. in, in Winchester mm-hmm. Hall, and um, so I actually spoke there, and uh, you know my appeal was to try and make things easier for brewers to get started as well as to expand to make it more uh, obvious or straightforward, you know, how you can uh, go through the whole process. Because I certainly had uh, my challenges getting started. I, I get the sense, though, that they, um, with uh, at least Jesse Pippi's lead, 
taking the lead on trying to make that easier. And um, especially the, was it the o- Office of Economic Development putting out their right. brochure? Right. That I, Frederick definitely seems to be going in the direction of making it more attractive, making it easier, or at least giving you giving better information to people who want to open a brewery to make sure they know what is expected of them. I think it's going to benefit the entire community. I mean, if you look at certain places, say San Diego, I mean, it's like a Mecca. People just go there for that purpose alone. Yeah. You know, there's plenty of other things to do, but still it's, it's a destination unto itself just to go visit all these great breweries. And if, you know, Frederick could become like that, you know, it would draw a lot of tourists in here, and there's other things to do, obviously, when they're here. But uh, that could be part of the draw to come to Frederick. Yeah, so it's gr- it's great that they're starting to recognize that, because um, one, it's just it's great to have options and the more, but it'll also bring more money and yeah. just help the county and city overall. Sure, I know. I. When I went to um, San Diego, I, we drove to Temecula because it's that's a that's a city that has gone all in on making it friendly for breweries to open. And I mean, you go in a five mile circle, they're just brewery after brewery after brewery. So I would I would imagine they've made it easy for that to happen for there to be so many in such a concentrated area. Right. So I'd, hopefully that's the landscape ahead for Frederick. Yeah, I hope so. And it'll make you make it easier for you to uh now though, since you're already established, moving into another brewery is that a lot easier because all you have to do is worry about like building and zone building permits and zoning type stuff, not the alcohol production side of it. Yes, yeah, so I don't know what I don't know on that okay. front. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would have to change my license, and I actually did change my distributor's license once, and that turned out to be fairly painless. But uh, I know other people that are going through uh, that same process, trying to move a brewery, and in one case, it's like you can—it's a stone's throw from where they are now. And apparently, you know, the state is holding them up for months. I don't know why, but uh, so I don't know what challenges lie ahead when I try to move to a yeah. different location. Yes. It's almost like you have to plan a year ahead before you even want to and just <laughs> yeah, start that process and hopeful, hope you're ready for the rest of it whenever right. that finally gets approved. Right. Right. I've heard of so many horror stories. I mean, just last night when I was at that Meridian Pint event, I was hearing about uh, one of the local breweries here and that uh, before they could get their license, they had to show that they could produce beer within like five days or something well you can't normally produce beer in five days yeah so they had a contract brew i don't know how they they must have you know said okay start the clock now and within five days because of the contract brewing they were able then to provide the beer to satisfy this requirement which i don't know where they ever came up with that requirement I was never... that smoke town yes yeah he <laughs> talked david david's very vocal about that <laughs> it, it just sounded crazy when yeah. i heard that story so i don't know why you know they put these roadblocks in place you want to i would think you want to encourage businesses it it seems like that um the industry has just grown faster than the laws have been able to keep up like there there are all these laws that have been around forever that may have made sense as they applied to the landscape of businesses at that time. But right. everything has just changed so rapidly that 
unfortunately, government doesn't move quite as fast as private sector does. Right. Well, and I think there was also some sort of special interest. You know, there's the three-tier yeah. distribution system, so obviously distributors will want to protect their interest, uh, which would explain the having to buy back a thousand barrels from a distributor if you you want to go beyond the two thousand barrel limit in tasting room. Yeah, the, I um I hadn't realized like the root of that that legislation really doesn't make sense for the marketplace today. When we had um, uh, J.T. Smith, he was a former executive director of BAM, was talking about when those laws were put into place, the franchise laws and stuff, it was the breweries that, it was distributors that needed to be protected from the large breweries. But now that's completely flip-flopped. Yeah. You have small breweries and distributed distributors owned if not wholly, but partially by very large breweries. So yeah. that power has flipped, but the laws still favor who used to be the small guy, but now is the big guy. And I'd, I'd never, no one had ever explained it that way. So I thought that yeah. was an interesting way to look at like why those laws are even there in place. It was one time distributors needed to be protected from, right. but now they, it's the other way around. Well, another thing is that if you go through a distributor for whatever geography that they cover, they're the sole distributor. You can only have one distributor of your product in any given geography. So it seems like you're setting up sort of a, a monopoly system as opposed to why not allow multiple distributors. If one guy's doing a better job promoting my beer, you know, great. I mean, because if I hand it over to a distributor, I have no control over how actively they'll promote my beer. Yeah, that seems to be one of the big... Um topics for the reform on tap task force that they've like the last couple of meetings they talked about those franchise laws a lot and i definitely get a sense from watching those meetings they don't want to change that <laughs> but that that seems to be at the top of the list of things that the comptroller feels needs to be changed probably a lot for those uh, those reasons that you could get locked into someone and then you get ignored. Yeah. And yeah. then you don't have any. So if you, if you sign on with a distributor, does that eliminate your ability to self-distribute? In whatever geography that they're distributing, there can only be one distributor of your product in a given geography. So if, you know, if I were to hand over half the counties in the state, you know, they would be the only people that could distribute my beer in those counties. And even yourself, you could no longer... I could not self-distribute in those locations then. Uh, yeah, that doesn't seem... That seems even worse than just other distributors not being able to distribute for yeah. you. I, I'd, I'd never thought about that before. That, um, But I think uh, in then the new businesses that are emerging, I don't know if it's the first in Frederick, but like there's the... Um, Free, free state craft delivery service. Have you heard of them? I think, yeah. So, like, they're they're not distributing, but the, the, they're the, taking out the labor part of you still do your selling, you still right. do all that part of it, but you just call him up, he'll come pick it up for you and deliver it so right. you don't have to. Right. It eliminates the trucking right. business part of it. So it's, there's definitely a lot of disruption in the whole three-tier system right now. It'll be interesting to see what happens after the next legislative session to what's going to be allowed and what's going to be changed after that right right 
It's kind of like Uber, you know, where I think it's totally changed the whole taxi industry. I mean, for better or worse, and some places yeah. have tried to block it, but uh, I don't think you can really stop the market. So if somebody comes up with a new, different way of doing something, you know, it ought to be supported. Yeah, definitely. It, and that's a one of my my big thoughts through this whole thing was, I guess I just don't see how it's the government's, like, especially as as it pertains directly to HB 1283, why it's the, how it has become the government's job to protect a business model. And yeah, I just don't see how that's, how that makes sense. If the business model doesn't work because of the marketplace, then the marketplace kind of determines that. Well, we were talking about this last night. I think that part of it is, um, you know, it was a package deal. And so they brought in this Guinness brewery into Baltimore. And of course, that's going to bring a lot of jobs. And so somebody's excited about that. But as part of it, they, they you know, limited some of these other areas that the more traditional or, or actually new craft brewers would rather have seen differently, like, you know, raising the limits on how much you can uh, serve in a, in a tasting room or some of the, you know, the self-distribution, things like that. So it was a compromise, yeah. I understand, you know, and they just had to, you know, do whatever they needed to do to land this uh, Guinness deal. Which I think is going to be great for Maryland craft beer, too, because, I mean, there, there are going to be a lot of people that will travel to Maryland just to go there. And presumably, if they're going to travel to go to a Guinness brewery, they're going to look to see what other breweries Maryland has to offer. Right, right. I mean, because I, I went to... And Dub- Guinness wasn't the only reason I went to Dublin, but it was a huge part of why I wanted to go there. And, sure. it's, and it's absolutely beautiful. So I hope um, the Baltimore brewery is going to replicate that a little bit. We'll actually have a representative from Guinness on next week okay. to talk about the the progress and what they have planned. But yeah, I think you're right. that, And I think it was even said by someone that like no one wanted to be the person that caused Guinness to not come to Maryland. Like that would be such a black eye on exactly on them to like have this huge gift. And they're like, nah, nah, we don't want that. Right. Right. right, Great. Um, so is there anything else you have coming up? You want to talk about? Um, I think we've kind of covered everything. I really appreciate you, uh, inviting me in here to, to speak. So if people want to, I think I saw on your website, if people want to check out your brewery, you just ask yeah, call to ahead. get in touch yeah, with you ahead of time. and Call or give me an email, and I'm happy to give a tour. I've certainly given plenty of tours to people. And um, I'm looking to possibly have a more regular, like, you know, Friday afternoon for a couple of hours, you know, where there's an actual scheduled time to have tours. I just need to get a little more organized to yeah. do that. So people should just check your website and... Keep yep. up to date with the information that way. Right, right. And uh, it also shows what other places we're going to, like the farm market. And, you know, you mentioned earlier the uh, Baltimore Craft Beer Festival and a couple other events. So we list the events we're going to. We list where it's, you know, currently for sale and so on. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming out and letting us know about your brewery. Well, thank you. And thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook, and if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. 
A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening.